This is Takeaway Only, a podcast about the hospitality industry in crisis. I'm Howie Kahn, and these are the stories of the people who take care of you. Today's guest is Berta Gonzalez Nieves, co-founder and CEO of Casa Dragones Tequila, and the first woman to ever be certified as a master tequila maker. Up next, how Berta is leading her company through this pandemic in Mexico and the United States, why connecting with her family is more important than ever, and what Casa Dragones is doing to support the hospitality community, especially its bartenders. We're back Monday with an all-new guest. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss it. Stay tuned now for Berta. Berta, hi. Hi, Howie. How are you? Doing, doing okay this morning. Doing okay. And you? I'm, I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to see you as well. I want to talk to you about running a small batch tequila company in the time of, of COVID-19. You're, you're in New York now, but you split your time between New York and, and Mexico. Your offices are in Mexico City, and your tequila is made in tequila, as, as it should be. So tell me what's going on down at the factory, and tell me about how you've pivoted to new best practices. So what we've done is, um, particularly in Tequila Jalisco, um, we reached out to different, pe- to different producers of a diversity of other products in Italy and in Spain, as well as in the U.S. and in Tequila Jalisco to learn about best practices on how to operate during these uh, difficult and new times. And, um, and with that information, we built a protocol for our plant. Um, and, uh, and that's what we're that, that's what we're working off of. I think that uh, um, apart from actually asking um, everybody in our New York office, in our Mexico office early on to, to work from home, um, we are taking all the precautions for those that are in the tequila uh, in, our, in our facility to make sure that uh, people are really taking the least amount of risks while they're you know, uh, in, you know, working to produce our product. I find it really interesting and, and smart that you were able to reach out to uh, makers of, of spirits and, and wine and products in Spain and Italy. Can you tell me a little bit about those conversations and, and what those people were sharing with you, especially, well, both countries were, were a bit ahead of us in, in terms of the spread of the virus? Yeah, and, and that's exactly why we reached out to uh, friends in Italy and in, and in Spain. Um, they have... Uh, they are ahead of us in terms of having thought through all of this. And, uh, and they were probably all larger producers than us. So uh, their perspective was uh, very real and, um, and saved us a lot of time, you know, because we are a small producer. So we wanted to leverage the experience and the knowledge of these, of these larger players. And um, uh, we, you know, we learned a diversity of different things, how people were approaching it and then distilled that to and tropicalized it to, what works for our production team. Did they sound afraid? Were these emotional conversations? Were they attempts at, at very rational conversations? These are really unprecedented times. So how do, how do people even talk to each other about these things? Uh, there's, a, there's definitely a sense of emotion there, but also of realism and camaraderie and collaboration that you rarely get in, a, in another time. So that was... Uh, uh, very comforting and also you feel a partnership that you've never felt before you know like people really want to make sure you're understanding how they're dealing with a crisis so that you don't waste time in the places where they they made decisions that probably they could have cut time or could have 
had less impact into their team. So uh, the sense of realism, emotional and collaboration was uh, in real time and was uh, really powerful for us. The place where you you make your product is is very beautiful. It's very traditional. It's it's a beautiful farm like atmosphere. You have a product that's sold all over the world, but it's really a very small production. Um, can you talk about who's actually at the factory right now and what they're doing day to day to stay safe? Um, so we have our production team at the factory, and uh, we have change the protocol of entrance to the distillery and also the protocol of time outside of work, which is really important for any, uh, any team that's continuing to get together. So it's as important as the time that they are within our distillery and as important the time that they are at home. So you have to make sure that both, both areas of, of, of people's days are really being seen from a completely different lens. And as well, we've changed our, we're probably, we are definitely uh, producing slower, which is fine with us, uh, but we have more distance between, um, between teams and um, the scheduling is uh, pretty much is like if you're stacking the schedule in a very different way, so the distances are applied and certain teams really never get to see each other, which reduces the possibility of, of infection. Um, by circulating people um, in, in different uh, schedules. And then from a uniform perspective, from a distance between labors, um, and, uh, and really from um, uh, just uh, every single process that we used to do now has a different protocol. And it's about 10 people who make the product. Correct. Very, very, very small. So full-time we're 10 people, and then when we're in the harvest, uh, we have uh, we work with a with a we partnered with a family that's uh, um, been in the industry for many generations, and um, so for the fields right now we're not harvesting um, for now, and we will have a different protocol for when we actually address the harvest if it happens uh, closer to to the summer. When does the harvest happen? The harvest happens um, well. I, the harvest does not happen during the summer period just because it's the rainy season and we have very intense rain and very intense high temperatures. So operating in a field at that level of temperature, but also because of that, it's so much rain is difficult to operate. So uh, we operate um, for the harvest in different times of the year, but you can say it's pretty much spring and fall. Okay. So spring is, is now or upcoming. And you said if it happens, so is, is, is the harvest period in danger because of what's going on right now? Is that something you have to consider and address? So being on a field, there's no more freedom than being on a, on an agave field. You know, you're already, it's the most beautiful part of our production process, but establishing a discipline and a protocol to make sure that we build distance among schemadors and then even picking up the piñas and how we're actually going to take them to our distillery um, will take an additional, additional resources to make sure we're directing the people to stay within the accepted uh, distance. But also, it's all going to be about people's uniforms and, uh, and, and the protocol to protect, you know, the team. In terms of, of what kind of gloves, what kind of face masks? What kind of eye, eye, eye covering? Wear. Yeah. So... Um, uh, we're confident that we're, <clears throat> we will be able to 
to do that um, when that time comes. We're not ready right now for harvest, but um, we're ready to to address it. I know you're in in close communication with with the team um, in Jalisco. What's the mood like there? How are people approaching their jobs? How are how are your workers feeling? Well, I think that there is uh, a, an added sense of community and responsibility for what we do. Um, when we got these best practices from different parts of the world, our team was the one that actually took uh, that initiative to read through them, summarize them, and then apply them to our facility. I think uh, we're such a small team that we feel such ownership of what we produce and we're so proud of what we do. That is more about how we deal with this crisis together than people feeling like individuals, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, in terms of our mission. I also think that uh, P- our team is very clear that if someone feels unsafe or insecure, that they have, uh, of course, the opportunity to say that they don't feel comfortable continuing with their labor. And we're open, of course, to that. We want to make sure that we are a company that's addressing this period in a very responsible way and uh, and it's adapting to this new normal, but as well as being very, uh, very sensible about how our team is feeling and, and, and really adapting to that, uh, knowing that everybody's personal um, circumstances are very diff- different, um, their families and their children. So uh, we're trying our, our best to make sure that we're, we're, we're keeping all of those things in mind. Have people's attitudes and, and feelings evolved at all, changed, or is it kind of like we've decided to do this work together, we're going to continue to do it? Or do people get more fearful the more they see on the news, the more this is, is spreading? Um, Mexico, I think, is a bit behind the United States in terms of, of what's going on there, and things could ostensibly get much worse. Yeah. Um, I think uh, um, definitely... It's, a, it's, it's an ups and downs, right? We're all going through the same thing. And uh, for example, we, we asked our team in New York to work from home uh, on after March 13th, and we did the same with our Mexico City team. Um, and everybody that works remote in Casa Dragones because not everybody is in an office. And we were, in Mexico, it was seen like we were like too precautious, right? Um, and we had to like really like, you know, bring some, uh, some more international data to make sure that it's like it's if we do this now we're gonna we're gonna really be not only supporting um, our our city but we're also gonna be supporting our company and um, and and really play this as safe as we can so um, a very different uh, actions taken in both countries uh, so we just want to make sure that um, our team also we're trying the best we can to hold town halls and hold video conferences and have multiple touch points that we didn't have before to make sure that we are, you know, being positive, sharing objective driven agenda within the tools and resources that we have and also keep people motivated from working from home. We're circulating. We have one person in our team that's responsible to circulating learnings about like incorporating exercise or incorporating you know, family time where you're like working from home, making sure you're scheduling your lunch time, family lunches on Sundays with your family and making sure you're doing the video, um, the video link uh, to make sure you look, you're seeing your grandmother and your nieces and your nephews and trying to bring everybody together because that nourishes the soul. So we're trying to really address this from, uh, let's keep our, 
uh, productivity as high as we can because we all depend on it. Um, but also with a sense of, 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 of reality of like how important it is for all of us to stay together as a team, but also to stay connected to our families and our loved ones. I know you're having dinner with your 82-year-old mother via FaceTime in Mexico City every night. So I actually was hearing Andrew Cuomo one of these, uh, uh, in one of these news uh, moments that he's had in the recent weeks. And he was talking about how he was going to have a video lunch, Italian lunch video uh, in his, with his family. And I immediately called my brother and my mom and I said, we're doing this. And we started doing it every Sunday. And uh, it's, uh, it's, we just wondered now, why didn't we start doing this long before? Yeah, I mean, you, you are distant from your family frequently, and it's nice to have the, the communication. You were telling me the other day about your, your mom and seeing her, how she's, she's 82, but she looks like she's still going to the opera every night and how she's just unflappable. Yeah, um, I think that her determination is definitely an inspiration um, uh, how she actually is getting dressed for the video conferences and how she's like the type of uh, meal she's cooking for herself. Um, and, uh, and like, you know, how her agenda is about watching the opera on Monday and like reading a book on Tuesday and definitely keeping the exercise going. Um, um, it's really, uh, an, an inspiration for me. It's interesting too. I mean, she's 82 and incredibly independent and a lot of us are incredibly independent people. And this is kind of a time when we all need to learn how to ask for help and, and trust other people regardless of our, our pride. Yeah, I think we need to uh, be very transparent about uh, how we're on, from what lens we're looking at the crisis and how it's affecting us. And then really be very transparent about where we need the help. You know, um, we are trying to, at Casa Dragones, we're, you know, we're, we're, um, we're a small uh, player with big ambitions, you know. We're really competitive uh, in the tequila category, both in Mexico and the U.S., have carved our position there. And, uh, and more than ever right now, the sales that we make during this period are going to make a difference on how um, our business looks, how our business looks like after this crisis is over. So for us, um, it's important that we, uh, share with our community that, um, uh, you know, every sip counts, you know, every sip counts for us, every sip counts for our team for, uh, and for really being able to continue our mission of delivering extraordinary tequilas, uh, every bottle at a time. So, um, we are also being, um, very participatory with our community, particularly, uh, we started, um, an initiative with a bartending community, both in Mexico and the U S and uh, what we've done is we have, uh, we're working through a grant with bartenders uh, and we're working directly with, with bartenders in both countries for them to uh, do sessions of cocktails at home. And uh, we obviously pay them for their time and their services. And, uh, and that grew really quickly. We have more than 100 bartenders already uh, collaborating with us and we hope that that grows to many more. And uh, the feedback that we've gotten is uh, very, very positive, right? Because it's a very genuine, it's people that we've been working with for so long and that we're really trying to figure out how we add value to a moment in time where there, many of them are either forlord uh, or, or freelancers. So it's important to, to, to support them during this time. How are the grants structured? What's the amount? Um, the amount is um, between 300 and $500 
per project. So uh, um, it is, uh, it works really well because then they can do a certain amount of, of, of cocktails that then they can upload um, to their feed and then we can regram them and so on. But the idea is for them to do cocktails that actually are easy to make at home and that people can follow. So, um, and the web itself are short, so it's also like not a big commitment of time. And, uh, and then, you know, the bartenders are also like putting some, creating some new uh, uh, recipes that um, are particularly helpful for this time. Can you give me an example of one? Okay, I will. Um, give me a second. I have to look in my Instagram. Um, well, we just did one that I love, um, that it's um, Cindy's Margarita. It's a very famous margarita by um, our dear friend, Cindy Ratchowski, um, and uh, that we've served at the two by two uh, gala in Texas. And it's such an incredible margarita that we did it this Sunday through um, Adrian Evans, uh, who is, um, uh, Adrian leads our efforts in La Casa Dragones in the Tasting Room in San Miguel de Allende. So we did, we did a live Instagram three recipe this Sunday from La Casa Dragones, and we talked about how simple the Cindy's Margarita is. So um, if you want to see the, the recipe, uh, please go to our website. We're featuring it now. And it's one of the simplest margaritas to make at home. And I'm sure it's delicious. Everything with Casa Dragones is delicious. Um, I've been enjoying my sips. So 30% of your sales are through the hospitality business, through restaurants, through bars, uh, which are all closed. Um, so how do you deal with starting from that loss and trying to build things back up either online or in whatever stores are open? Is it even about maintaining sales right now or is it really about that communications piece and, and really pouring your heart and soul into spreading the message? Well, different markets are reacting differently. So some on-premise accounts, both in Mexico and the U.S., are doing curbside pickup. Some others are doing home delivery and some others are really completely closed. So for those that are still operating, we're figuring out creative ways of partnering with them. Um, uh, for example, <clears throat> if you go to Rosetta's website in Mexico City, we are at, we've added a Casa Dragones to their home baskets. Um, and uh, so uh, if you go to Hanky Panky in Mexico, also they're doing uh, cocktails, uh, you know, delivered at home. So um, we've also partnered with them to, uh, to support them through this and also make sure that we're finding people that want to buy the cocktails. So we're, you know, we're doing a whole 360 together with them. Um, and the same thing we're doing in Texas with different accounts. So I think we're doing, for the, from an on-premise point of view, from a hospitality point of view, there's still some action in both countries. So we're trying to be as dynamic and as adaptable to make sure that um, we're working closely with our partners to support that. For those that are closed, um, we are reaching out uh, to see when they're planning to open to see how we can support that effort and be a partner in that. Um, and, uh, and if they're doing any community, community type of building that we can help participate or promote in our channels in a productive way, we are a small producer as well. So we won't be necessarily like a, a be able to do what the actions of the large conglomerates are doing in terms of donations, but we're sure doing what we can. Um, so it's about building community, staying close and being active 
in our partners' initiatives to make sure that we're supporting them. And I think one example is um, if you go to our website and you go, we have a, a one-click to purchase, we've partnered with ReserveBar and 20% uh, of our proceeds of our sales through our website are going to the USBG in the US. And, um, and right now we're figuring out our ways in Mexico to, to mimic that as many new organizations are being born. What is the USBG? The USBG is a United States bartender guild. So um, they are, have, uh, have opened new chapters for um, uh, really doing a, a relief for bartenders. So um, that, you know, are very, very affected by this, by, by this crisis. So we all believe that that is a very important organization to support. So we're dealing with this pandemic uh, right now, but we're also going to probably come out of it into a recession, if not a depression. How do you lead a luxury tequila company into that time, knowing people might not have the same amount of money in their pockets to spend on goods like tequila? Um, well, um, we founded Casa Dragones in January 2008, and we started selling in late 2009. So we started selling in the middle of one of the, well, what was the worst recession of the U.S. We believe that there will be continued to be an opportunity for people to buy their favorite, uh, from their favorite producers. Um, we, of course, are estimated that there will be an impact on sales. But, um, but the interest and in the, um, of people for uh, products that are handcrafted of high quality and, uh, and high integrity, I think that there's going to continue to be interest in that kind of product. I, we can't really, I was reading a report from McKenzie this morning about how difficult it is to forecast anything right now with this crisis. You know, we have some elements, we can read as many, uh, as many reports that we're getting uh, to forecast our future. So we have to run different scenarios and then be very diligent at managing our, our, you know, our operating expenses to make sure that um, we can see this crisis through and focus on connecting in a, in a real way with our consumer. Um, and um, more than, of course, managing a luxury tequila company is more about like our principles and our mission as a producer. And uh, staying close to that, staying committed to that and staying committed to connecting in a real empathetic in real way with our consumer base, um, uh, we think that there still is a lot of interest. The off-premise sales online are happening. Um, uh, they won't make up for our on-premise sales for sure, but um, we are gonna continue to give it our best shots to connect with people that um, are, you know, continuing to enjoy um, our products. It's really interesting to me that you did launch this company uh, in, in the middle and really at the front end of a, of a huge economic crisis. It was January 2008 when you guys launched and throughout 2008, the economy only got worse and worse and worse. Um, what lessons are you drawing from from that time that you're thinking about in terms of your, your leadership and survival now? Um, the lessons are about laser-focused attention to our strategy, but in very important to really stay close to our customers and really partner with our customers that we've been building our relationships for the last 10 years and make sure that we are co-creating together uh, because you know the sales that we do together are important for both 
for, for both for the customer and for ourselves. So um, staying close to our customers, staying uh, connected to our and engaged with our consumer sets, and uh, and being very attuned on how to adapt uh, to to the constant changes that we're dealing with. Um, so clear head focus, camaraderie, collaboration, and uh, and and really staying truly close to the consumer. Um, that's 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 the discipline that we're using today to see this through. I think you're also at an advantage having already been through one economic crisis where you really did learn that one of the constants in business is change and being adaptable to that change is so critical. So, yeah, I think that um, many times uh, other entrepreneurs and friends or or even the media has asked me what um, what have been your your biggest challenges, you know, as an entrepreneur, tell me some of them. And I always say like, I, um, I never can remember like all the challenges because once you solve for one challenge, you have another challenge in front of you. I know this one we won't forget, <laughs> but, uh, but there's one thing that as an entrepreneur, you become very accustomed to, which is like, is this, you know, of solving for opportunities or solving problems, but it's really for sol solving for opportunities to keep your company going. So you uh, build a, um, a muscle, you know, because the only constant is change and uh, you have to be very comfortable with that. So um, we're keeping that um, motto very, you know, close to our heart and, um, and not take anything for granted. It's been really interesting. I mean, I've watched your company grow through its entire existence from, from the time it was born. And one thing I admire that, um, no matter how big your reach has gotten or who your investors have become, it's still run like a family business. I mean, this is this is your blood, sweat, and tears. This is your baby. This is something that that's your heart and soul. And I think it it runs through your product and your manufacturing uh, and your people. And it's just it's really cool to talk to you about you know your your leadership in America. And especially in Mexico, a country where the president is waving around a saint and telling people to, you know, pray to the saint whenever, <laughs> whenever they're in doubt. So it's it's kind of good to hear, um, some some sober, practical guidance. Yeah, um, you know, when you build a company from scratch, and you're putting every brick every year, right? You're building it. You're building it. You're building it. Um, you you know we are committed to putting our best foot forward to seeing this through, um, to stay close to our community and our partners and uh, give it our best shot as we've done since we founded the company. Um, we, you know, like everyone else, uh, we're dealing with a crisis on a, on a daily basis. And, uh, but we're staying positive and we're, um, and, uh, and yeah, and I believe in my team and I believe in our product. What are you going to be cooking for your family's virtual Zoom gathering this Sunday? <laughs> well, he, so I, seeing what my mom actually cooked last week, um, I actually asked her to give me a menu that I can copy. She's a much better cook than I am. Uh, I focus on cooking tequila. She focus on the family lunches. So, uh, uh, but so she's going to give me, she's actually, we're going to be cooking this Sunday. So she's going to be doing the agenda and I'm going to be following her lead on a class this Sunday so that I can actually be eating the same she we can be eating the same she's eating, uh, which look much better than what we had this Sunday. 
So she's working on the menu as we speak. Yes, she is. What do you anticipate being on it? Any guesses? I have no idea, but I anticipate it's going to start simple because otherwise she knows that she's going to lose me. So, um, What did she cook last week? She did an asparagus. Um, I don't know how to say it in English, but like an asparagus uh, meat pie. Mm. What would you call that in, in Spanish? Pie de esparragos, I guess. And, uh, but it's more about like, it looks so beautiful. It was all decorated. You know, she paired the wine and she had like the salad, like the whole, like the table decoration, like she was serious about it. So my brother and I said that we have to like, you know, up the ante for this Sunday. My God, what a, what a role model for all of us. I wish I could participate in, in these family cooking oh, we classes. Invite, we should invite you. Good. I just invited myself. Yeah, you're invited. <laughs> Thank you. Fair to our show is called Takeaway Only. I'm wondering what your big takeaway is as a business leader, as a human, as a as a partner, as somebody who's watching out for other people uh, throughout these last few weeks. I think that um, we my my takeaway is um, really focusing on taking care of our teams and making sure that um, um, we're being very responsible as leaders with our people and also taking actions to uh, make sure that we can continue to protect our businesses the best we can, stay close to our community and our partners and, uh, and be very creative as to how we deal with this, uh, with this crisis because, um, you know, really unprecedented times also bring uh, all, a lot of new ideas. So I think we need to stay open and creative and positive and really be supportive of, of all of those people that are in need of our support uh, in, in, in the community. Um, so, and also be grateful for those that are in the front line uh, trying to figure out how to manage uh, this crisis. Berta, thank you for your time and for Casa Dragones. It's a nice part of my life these days. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Howie. Thank you very much for, for inviting me to take away. And um, I've been listening every week And I look forward to continue to do so. It's inspiring. Thank you, Berta. Thank you. That was Berta Gonzalez Nieves. You can follow her on Instagram at Berta Gonzalez N. And you can learn more about Casa Dragones and their new giving programs at www.casadragones.com. Thank you so much for listening. Takeaway Only is produced by Casey Kahn, Rob Corso, and me, Howie Kahn, for Freetime Media. Our logo is by Reynald Philippe at Beepoles. Music by John Palmer. Special thanks to Kristen Millar, Antoine Ricardou, Raphael Weil, and to the whole team at Welcome. Check out their important community-building work at welcomeconference.org. We're back Monday. This is Takeaway Only.